Hi listeners, it's Kat here from Cast a Guest. I just wanted to take a quick minute outside of the show to let you know about empowerment coaching. I know this is probably confusing a lot of people right now. Outside of telling you about true crime, I work as a life coach, helping others achieve their goals, break down barriers, eliminate limiting beliefs, or anything else a person may need guidance to achieve their most authentic life. The world has been upside down since 2020, and I know a lot of us may be lost, confused, or unsure as to what we want and how to get there. If you think speaking with a life coach may help you, please feel free to contact me at alteregowellness at outlook.com or at alteregowell on Instagram. Okay, now back to our show. Hey there, folks. My goodness. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for turning that dial to Cast a Guest. 96.7 Cast a Guest. With your hosts, Kat and John and Joanne McLeod. <laughs> oh, fuck. We got. This is episode three of our Unsolved Murder Mystery no closure series that we're still trying to figure out a proper name for we're it's officially a series now this is episode three so good on you for sticking through it i know people were wondering if we would continue on when we called it a series and now it is officially a series who knows if it'll be a four-part series it may just remain as a three-part series we'll see but for today we got a mobile trailer home which is stupid because have you ever seen an immobile trailer home? I think the whole point of having a trailer home is to be mobile. A church music group. Hate letters. And a dog named Maisie. If you're thinking, my goodness, Blumhouse Productions has finally put together the funding for their Joe Dirt, Marley and Me crossover, that would be great. <laughs> if only. Can you imagine Joe Dirt and Marley and Me crossover? God, it'd be fantastic. It better start with Dennis Miller. Nope, today, unfortunately, we got two unsolved murders for you involving two families. We have unfortunate unsolved murders of the Dardine and Jameson families. This one's going to suck, and there will be no closure. Grab that cold beverage, and let's get on with it. I'm John. And I'm Kat. And this, you're right, is Castagast. Hey. Whoa. All right, here we go. That was aggressive. No. How's it going, folks? My goodness. Tuning in again. (laughs) All four of you. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in. Holy cow, we really appreciate it. What do we have today? We have part three of our Unsolved series. Wow. So now it's officially a series. Mm -hmm. It's not just a couple of fucking episodes episodes just a whole series now a whole big series why don't you give us our disclaimer oh here we go with the disclaimer again hey folks damn we here at castagast we do take true crime seriously but true crime 
is goddamn depressing. And so we like to put a little bit of levity into our recounting of horrible fucking events. We like to have a lighter touch to the true crime. The lightest of touches is the slight grazing of the upper thigh of true crime. And that is what gives us the ability to do this. That is what keeps us from delving deep into a depression that can only be solved by Pfizer medical medicine. <laughs> that can only... <laughs> I'm just kidding. Babies are dying from respiratory illnesses. Stop. You have to cut that out. <laughs> so if you don't like it when rapists and murderers are insulted and ridiculed, then this is not the show for you. We like to do that. And we like to try and keep it as light as possible. We hope you enjoy this episode. Breathe it in. And drink up your adult beverage. And let's get right pissed as we get pissed off. Thank you very much. Good luck. Beautiful. Thank you for that. All right. Let's get on with this. You ready? Yes. Let's get on with the goddamn show. Today's Unsolved will cover mysterious family deaths. Oh. Mm-hmm. Like the queen? <laughs> <laughs> So the first family we're going to talk about today is the Dardine family. The Dardine. Married couple Keith and Elaine Dardine relocated from Mount Carmel to Ina, Illinois. After Keith had completed the required training he needed for his job at the Ren Lake Water Conservatory. Okay. I apologize to my listeners too. I'm suffering from allergies right now, so I'm a bit mm-hmm. sniffy and nasally. And also suffering from run-on sentences. <laughs> In 1986, they had purchased a mobile trailer home, leased a plot of land from a farmer, and made the move with their two-year-old son, Peter. Elaine got a job working in an office supply store while Keith went to work at the water plant. But in their spare time, they enjoyed singing in their church's music group, Keith being the lead vocals and Elaine working her magic on the piano. They just sound so wholesome. Yeah. My God. In 1987, Elaine found out she was pregnant with her second child and picked the gender-neutral name Casey, whether it be a boy or a girl. Before finding out about their second pregnancy, Keith and Elaine were already toying with the idea of moving again. They had both thought Ina was getting too rough and violent, but the upcoming second child made them make a firm decision to relocate back to Mount Carmel. There had been a handful of violent crimes such as a teenage boy murdering his family and a 10-year-old girl who was raped and murdered in May of 1987. Jesus, yeah. Talk about a bad neighborhood. Yes. These incidents had made Keith extremely protective over his family to the point that when a woman had come to their trailer one night asking to use the phone, he had refused. And after seeing the movie Strangers was probably a smart decision. Yeah, or Clockwork Orange. Yes, or fucking, yeah, just don't answer your door to anyone. Don't pick up hitchhikers. Yeah. Don't answer the door. Don't run upstairs if someone's in your house. And don't tip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On November 18th, 1987, Keith had not shown up for his shift at the water plant. He had always been a reliable and punctual employee, so this prompted some concern from his supervisor. His supervisor tried calling the home, but all calls went unanswered. He even called both of Keith's parents, who were divorced, if they had spoken to Keith. After receiving the supervisor's call, Keith's father, Don, had called the Jefferson County Sheriff's Office to do a wellness check. Don had met the deputies there. The deputies gained entry into the mobile home and found Elaine, their son Peter, and their newborn daughter all in the same bed tucked in. 
Elaine was bound and gagged with duct tape. Oh, my God. It was immediately apparent that she had been beaten to death. Oh, fuck. A baseball bat that had belonged to Peter had been found at the scene and is believed to be the murder weapon. Just when he thought this horrific scene couldn't get any worse, it was clear that Elaine had been beaten so badly that she had gone into labor. Oh, fuck. God damn it. Once delivering the child, the baby also succumbed to the same cause of death as Elaine and Peter. And I don't want to go into details, but it was obvious that the baby didn't die from childbirth, but from another unnatural and brutal cause. That is fucking disgusting. That's absolutely fucking reprehensible. Elaine, Peter, and Casey were deceased and accounted for in the tucked-in bed, but there was no Keith or his Red Plymouth. The first theory was that he had murdered his family and went on the run. A SWAT team first went to his mother's house to search for him, but turned up empty. Their search continued through the day and night, but would come to a stop the next day when hunters had found his body south of the Franklin and Jefferson County line, which was not far at all from Keith's mobile home. Keith's penis had been severed off, and he had been shot three times. Oh my god, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, I did not... I did not anticipate that. the cut-off penis that just hit me in the back of the head. God forgive I did. Us. I did not expect the, the cut-off penis. Holy cow. That's horrific. Holy fuck. In Benton, 18 kilometers from the crime scene, Keith's Red Plymouth was found parked outside a police station. The inside of it was covered with blood. I wonder from what... The news of the Dardeen family murders sparked panic and fear in the residents of Ina. Many stocked their homes with guns and suited up their vehicles with gun racks. Parents became more protective with their kids, beginning to drop them off and pick them up from school and extracurriculars, some walking their child through the parking lot until they reached the building. Local residents also had to seek medical attention due to the stress and fear from the situation. One resident who lived close to the crime scene had lost 14 pounds and couldn't sleep at night. Many rumors circulated around town. Some say that due to the newborn baby's death and the removal of Keith's penis, that Satanists were involved and had committed this crime as a satanic sacrifice. Countless hours and over 30 detectives working full-time and around the clock investigated the Dardeen family massacre, but they came up empty with every interview and lead. No one had one bad word to say about the family, so a motive could not be determined. There was a small amount of marijuana found at the trailer, but they couldn't believe that would justify such a brutal murder. No. It was also clear that with the tucking of Elaine, Peter, and Casey in the bed and the cleanup they had done, the killer or killers were not any rush or felt a sense of urgency. The trailer was off in the farmer's field close to the highway, but difficult to see at night, so they believed the crime scene must have taken place during the night when it was dark. Robbery was quickly ruled out as there was no forced entry, which we do know that that doesn't always mean there wasn't a robbery. Like some people can just open up their doors or maybe their door was unlocked. But expensive items were left at the scene like cash, jewelry, TVs and the VCR. Police ruled out any extramarital affairs that would result in a jealous rage or passion kill. Even though they could not narrow down any motives, they did believe it was a targeted attack due to how vicious and brutal it was or that it may have been a case of mistaken identity. So they were targeting, they thought they might have targeted someone else? Mm-hmm. But that, possibly. I mean, these are just, they're coming up empty, right? Like, I, yeah, I thought, like, with the cut-off penis and, like, the way they, like, tucked 
like the the wife and the kids in bed like it's felt like it would have been extramarital or mm-hmm. something like that mm-hmm. oh i don't know that's so fucking weird a man by the name of tommy lynn did confess to the murders tommy lynn was on death row for the murder of a little girl and attempted murder of another he was a drifter and would hop trains and they lived close to the to a train oh, okay yeah he began confessing to other murders, one of them being the Dardine family, but he had changed his versions of his confession multiple times. The source links are in the show notes, so our listeners can read each version there. But the police did have their doubts about his confessions, mostly because he could only provide details of the crime that were made public. Anytime he was asked about information that was withheld from the media, he couldn't recall or answer. Yeah, of course. Tommy Lynn was executed in 2014. The case of the Dardeen family remains unsolved as of the time of this recording. Jeez. Oh, so that's him? Oh, for fuck's sakes. God yeah. damn it. That's so unfortunate. Obviously, we don't have any pictures of Casey, but that's oh, Elaine, Keith, and Peter. That's awful. Mm-hmm. They went as far as putting the trailer up for sale. Like they, they, yeah. they did. They list, were trying to get. They out. were trying to get out. Some believe that maybe someone knocked on the door at night, asking, "Hey, I'm interested in buying this trailer," and they might have opened up. But considering that he wouldn't even open up the door at night to a girl asking for help, which we know it could have been sinister in itself, but yeah. you know, you didn't open up the door to a female. Yeah. who seemed to be in distress, why would you open up the door to some stranger at night inquiring about the sale of your trailer? So I I, I don't think that's a, a, a the case there, but... No. Oh, that's so unfortunate. I know. Our next case is the Jameson family. On October 8th, 2009, 44-year-old Bobby Dale Jamison, 40-year-old Cheryl Lynn Jamison, and their 6-year-old daughter Madison were in southeastern Oklahoma, viewing a 40-acre plot of land they were thinking about purchasing for their shipping container home. Oh, my God. 40 acres? Yeah. God, like, I wonder how much it was going for. Like, we're just struggling. Like, I know know. it's 2009, but fuck, we can't... It was probably... We can buy a shit dump for, like, a million dollars here in fucking Canada. God damn it. This was their last known whereabouts, as reported by a witness who lived in the area and had seen them. Police continued to investigate their disappearance and came across their first break eight days later on October 16th. Hunters in the woods had discovered the Jameson's family vehicle, a truck. It was locked inside. It was it was locked, but inside was the malnourished but alive family dog, Maisie. Oh, fucking goddammit. After the rescue of Maisie, police began investigating the truck. Inside, they found a GPS... Bobby's cell phone and wallet, Sherilyn's purse, and $32,000 in a cash bag that was underneath the driver's seat. Oh, my God. Both Bobby and Sherilyn were on disability benefits, so where they could have gotten this cash is completely unknown. One thing was very clear to police, that the truck did not exhibit any signs that there was a struggle. Israel Beauchamp, the former Latimer County Sheriff, had later stated that he believed someone had either forced them to stop and then get out of the truck, and then after that, they either went willingly or by force. But he doesn't believe they were taken out of the truck by force. Okay. Investigators then turned their attention to the GPS. After following the route on the GPS, it led investigators to a set of footprints. The next day, on October 17th, a large search consisting of over 300 volunteers and investigators searched the area where the prints were found. 
The search was eventually called off without any findings. Jesus, like 300 people and they couldn't find anything. Mm-hmm. Four years later, on November 16th, 2013, hunters who had been deer hunting deep into the woods discovered partial skeleton remains, two adults and one child. This was just three miles from where the Jamesons were last seen. Items of clothing, shoes, teeth, and the arm and leg bone of an adult were also recovered. Oh my God. These remains were confirmed to be the remains of the Jameson family. Sadly, because they were just skeletal remains that were not complete, no cause of death could be confirmed. The remains had also been damaged by animals post-death, so that affected any findings in a cause of death as well. Yeah, I was about to say, I wonder if they're, animals got to them. Oh, absolutely, they, because they didn't even find their full bodies, so oh they're probably God. spread out. Oh, Jesus Christ. A briefcase and a twenty-two caliber gun registered to Sherilyn has also never been found or recovered. One thing that is worth noting is that the surveillance footage recorded from outside the Jameson's family home the day they left for the trip showed them moving very strangely. They were making multiple silent trips to the car back and forth while packing up and moving in what was quoted as a trance-like state. Oh, that's interesting. There were even moments where they would just stop and stare. Oh, really? Mm Mm-hmm. It's not uncommon for unsolved deaths to come with their fair share of theories. This one is no exception. I wonder if they were given like directions from someone the, off camera. Yeah. Like a gunpoint. Yeah. There was a theory that Bobby's father had murdered the family. Bob, right. Bobby did have a restraining order against his father, Bob, for threats against Bobby and his family. Bobby's father claimed he would kill them all. Oh, the petition claimed, quote, he is a very dangerous man who thinks he is above the law, end quote, and was involved in, quote, prostitutes, gangs, and meth. Jeez, that's not the kind of father you want. No. Unfortunately, Bob Jameson died two months after the family's disappearance due to his poor health, so there's zero closure with that theory. Another theory is that this was a murder-suicide. A hate letter that was 11 pages long was found inside the truck written from Sherilyn to Bobby Dale, calling him a hermit, among other things. There was another letter found during the search of their home that showed signs that the family was clearly obsessed with death. However, Sherilyn's mother insists that they were wonderful parents and would not be capable of hurting their daughter. What would be, like, signs that they were obsessed with death there was another letter found and i think it just um it didn't go into too much detail but from what i imagine it was probably a a letter from one of them to another about killing each other maybe oh that's weird so like they like they as if they would have a suicide pact maybe or that they maybe a search of the home showing that they were clearly obsessed with death maybe they're more into a macabre style decor you know what i mean like they could have just been into darker stuff it's like the adams family house exactly yeah Jeez, that's that's awfully strange some theories also believe that drugs could have been involved and this could have been a drug deal gone wrong but many stated if that was the case why would they bring their child with them along to a drug deal well, I, and, I think about modern parents mm-hmm. and, like, the things they bring their fucking kids yeah, to. Yeah, but this was 2009. Still, though, like... Yeah. And again, the $32,000 in cash under the seat. Like, that's awfully suspect, considering that... What did you say? They were, they were on both on disability benefits. Sadly, these 
theories do not bring any closure. Police still do not have any solid leads or evidence that can bring this case to a close. At the time of this recording, the mysterious deaths of the Jameson family remain unsolved. Fuck. Yeah, that was awfully confusing. Oh, so that's them, huh? Mm-hmm. The dog is it did survive. I'm sure it's passed now, but... Jeez, on oh, that little girl. That's so unfortunate. And they look like put-together people. You know, they don't look... Yeah, but anyone can pose for a picture. Mm-hmm. Like, Christ, like, remember that picture of Hitler and his dog? Like... <laughs> Yeah. Anyone can pose for a picture. Yeah. So that's, that that is that is awfully strange. That is a yeah, very what, strange what, fucking thing. What I find I think the most eerie is the surveillance footage of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the surveillance footage, the huge amount of money mm-hmm. for people in their position. And if it was and a, a f- missing briefcase in a twenty two caliber pistol, like And I just don't get like I don't understand if you're going to do... I don't believe the murder-suicide plot, uh, the murder-suicide theory, because why did they bring the dog and not kill the dog as well? They just left the dog in the truck. To starve to death? Exactly. Or just leave it at home to starve to death if that was your plan. Like, you, you kill your child, but you leave your dog alive. Well, it's like you were bringing the dog to coax the child. Yeah, that, that could be a... But a, then why wouldn't the dog come out into the woods Exactly. With oh, this is so fucking yes. weird. Yeah, it's a very interesting um, case. Both of them. Both of them very different. Like, but... um. And both really fucking horrible. Mm-hmm. Like, your fucking body's being eaten by animals. Oh, oh gosh. Jesus and just Christ. scattered about. Like, you're not complete. Oh, that's you know, fucked. That's something that I've always like, the, and that this is getting a bit dark, but like I've always thought, like a person can't rest in peace if they're not all together. You know what I mean? Like if a part of them is missing, how do you like rest in peace if you're not all complete? Oh, sweetie. <laughs> what? Why? Why would it matter? <laughs> how? Well, how are you resting in peace if there's an afterlife or something? You wouldn't give a shit about your fucking body. You know, like what if our, you're not our, all complete? You don't get an afterlife. Isn't it like your your fucking body, like the cells in your body regenerate like every fucking what five years? So like after five years, you're not the same person. What that if you were if before? you're not complete, you're just stuck in limbo and your unfinished business is trying to find what your proof of that? What's the proof of that? Well, the... ghosts. <laughs> exactly. Oh, whatever, sweetie. It's. Your imagination is incredible. I'm so proud of you. Shall we get to Dylan? Yeah, let's get okay. to Dylan. Let's get to Sir Dylan. As the kid in in Angels in the Outfield said, it could happen. <laughs> <laughs> I forget that kid's name. I forget all their names. Mm-hmm. Except for George Knox, because uh-huh. that's a fucking great name. That, that and the guy who did the fucking... Radio Ranch. Yeah. Who who fucking names their kid Ranch? It's obviously a nickname. Ranch. Somewhere out there, there's like a poor child getting beat up on the schoolyard. His name is Thousand Island. Well. We- <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's read this because I gotta get to work. All right, Dylan, what do you have to share with us today? Let's observe and ponder on today's profound quote by Sir Dylan McDermott. I did a movie with Clint Eastwood. 
and I knew I wasn't going to be able to outman him. Of course, wow. uh, there's not many people who could outman fucking Clint Eastwood. That was John Wayne. Uh, do you think? I think Clint Eastwood. Like you, no. you put John Wayne versus Clint Eastwood. I think like the no. Josie Wales could totally take out Rooster Cogburn. No, I disagree. From Dirty Harry. No, oh. no. You never saw Unfree- the outlaw. Outlaw Josie Wales. Did you see no. that? No. In the movie, he's such a fucking badass. He spits on a dog, mm. and the dog starts growling at him. He's like, <laughs> like this big brown glob of shit just hits oh, like the dog. Oh, like a tobacco. Spit. Yeah. He's like, get away from me, you fucking dog. Yeah, but in <laughs> Dirty Harry, he couldn't make a shot. You know, it took him like seven shots to finally yeah. hit someone. Yeah. John Wayne, one shot, and you're. Fill your hands, <laughs> Ned. <laughs> I think it's Ned. You didn't. You didn't even see the uh, John Wayne Rooster Cogburn. Oh, that was the one he got the Academy Award for. Wow, what other history oh, do you have for off. us? fuck <laughs> off. Tell us in the comments, who else do you think could outman Clint Eastwood? Not current Clint Eastwood, who has now a vagina for a neck. <laughs> We're talking about like 1970s Clint Eastwood. Who could outman him? Marlon Brando, maybe? No! <laughs> No one with that voice could outman. Fucking Duke Nukem has Rob- Clint Eastwood's voice. Robert like, De Niro. No. No. Out gangster. No, like, just like to be manly. Like, not have a fight. <laughs> but, like, like just to be, like, a manly fucking person. You just spit and it lit. <laughs> okay, that's it, folks. It's it's been a long one today, so hopefully um, you're not left with complete piss off because of the lack of closure. Enjoy the rest of your beverage and have a great rest of your week. We'll see you in October. Goodbye. Bye. You can check us out on YouTube at Catum Concoction. That's C A T A M C O N C O C T I O N. And on Instagram at cast underscore aghast. Remember, there's a silent H. buy an e-mobile trailer home it'll be a fucking cart on bricks i'm gonna cut that joke (laughs) fuck sakes i've always on my time to talk they had both thought that Ina was getting too rough and violent but the upcoming child made them make a firm decision to relocate back to mount carmel (laughs) relocate they had both thought i stop (laughs) And just when you thought this, just when you thought Israel Bouchamp, the former Beauchamp, Beauchamp, what'd I say? Bouchamp. (laughs) Israel Bouchamp. It's uncommon for unsolved deaths to come with their, oh, sorry, sorry.